It's episode 666 of the PC Respective Podcast, which means very little, as it turns out, except for some set dressing that is completely lost on the majority of our audio-only audience. I'm Sebastian Peake. I'm Josh Walrus. I'm Brett Van Sprunberg. Woe to you of earth and sea. I am Kent Burgess. And Kent, as you may have noticed, has quite a bit of that set dressing I alluded to a moment ago. Now, we'll forgive you the Star Wars and Guardians of the Galaxy posters, but... But look at that. Did we have some devilishly good news this week? Oh, there's some... Oh, there's some yes. interesting news uh, uh, of dubious legality. I mean, we're, we're kind of, you know, in the middle of hell on Earth, or at least mm-hmm. some parts of the world are. Hey, so. when, when we do the edit here, can we just drop the occasional background scream in? You can find out when we go live for events like this very podcast, which we're recording live, by the way. Mm. This March 2nd, 2022, live. People on YouTube are watching it right now and chatting with us. Go to pcper.com slash subscribe, and you'll be alerted before we go on the air so you can participate. You can support us at patreon.com slash pcper. That's actually a really big deal. It's kind of cringy to beg people to, to support you on Patreon, but it actually keeps this going, and we appreciate it very much. Do we have an update on that? You know, a couple of updates, yes, and I just got out some more uh, extra lighting so that I could give myself a deeper kind of Good. like fiery yes. glow. Yeah. How's that? Is that better? It's, be- it's I'm gonna creepy. Stick- I'm going to stick with that then. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. Uh, yeah, a couple of uh, great updates for, well, one great update and one like, that guy's a lunatic. Uh, Fish Sticks. Great name, dude. Thanks for jumping in and throwing some... Well, I mean, oh, it is land, so it is. It makes sense. Yeah, I love fish sticks. Yeah. Wait, it's six 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 on Lent, mm. Mm. and a guy Something named Fish that. Sticks. This sounds like a decoder ring, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Then, of course, we did have an update from the person that I alluded to as that lunatic, uh, Sir Bogative, and Fabrication Labs played around with his his donation yet again. There was a week that I missed it once because I actually had to hop on. We went live. He sent it in just after we started our pre-show. So kind of I owed him one, I guess. But the best I could do right now. Gotcha. Well, we appreciate yeah. the uh, the effort at getting Enthusiasm. advertising. Servogative. Yes. And now it's time to throw it to Laramie, Wyoming, where Josh will guide us through his latest <clears throat> food escapades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. Uh, I forgot the name of it. I didn't take a picture of the board. I think they have fried pickles back, so Jeremy can rejoice. But uh, yeah, this was kind of an interesting one. Uh, I mean, it was uh, kind of a playoff uh, the one before, but different. So it was supposed to have a single patty. They gave me double patties. And then those double patties are topped with pulled pork. And on top of that is macaroni and cheese, but not the baked macaroni and cheese thing, just straight up mac and cheese. And then on top of that, spicy barbecue sauce. So it made for an extremely 
messy, messy burger, but it was tasty and it was extremely filling. And apparently that is the secret to my eternal youth is a <laughs> weekly burger date. It's working, Josh. It's definitely it is. working. It is. Speaking of see every what the, what the deal is is that every year I get just a little bit fatter, and it spreads <laughs> the wrinkles out. <laughs> I think more people need giving to you know about smoothness. This. Smooth, Josh. Josh yeah. retains his eternal youth with this one weird trick. Let's get to the news, and one of our most controversial stories in months went up on the site, and it all trickled down from a reporter a few days. Uh, ago, a week or so ago now, from Yahoo Finance or other outlets that stated that AMD was worth more than Intel. This is from way back on February 23 that this report was written. But it, this is all, it all fluctuates and it's all based on market valuations. Market cap, at least as this was written for AMD was 188 billion versus Intel's 182 billion. So what, that what day- What is it now? It was worth- Oh yeah, more. okay. We would have to look. What is it? I mean, we're okay. on Yahoo Finance. I can just uh, yeah. look at it here. Let's take I a think quick a peek. story about AMD would have the current stock price. Well, right there, there. there you oh, go. It was right there. It was right. It was right freaking there in the corner. And I wasn't even looking at it. Let's see. Where is do 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 go over and do one month, one month over, 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 one, over, one over, or one, one month. M. Yep. Okay. There we go. Yeah. What day was this? The twenty third. Twenty third. Oh, so they're actually. They're, their stock is up since then. Market cap is currently at one hundred ninety-two billion. And All right, and uh, a quick peek to Intel. One ninety-eight. So Intel once again worth more. Very important update there. Yeah, that's just that's just the the amount of money of existing stocks are worth, and it has very little to do with what the company is worth. Silly, isn't it? NVIDIA's cyber attack drama. We have to talk about this. There is so much. Is it simple extortion or FOSS activism? Because, you know, one of the latest things to come out of this is that the hacking group, who apparently completely compromised NVIDIA's internal systems. Those are their words. Right. Well, I mean, that's the words of a report from the Telegraph, which was quoted by Bleeping Computer, which I'm now quoting here. But the they're now yeah, but some of the some of the some of the uh, <clears throat> data that they've kind of leaked. They had a control of a lot of stuff. If it's, I mean, it, it, a lot of this, you know, some of the stuff is confirmed. They haven't released it all, obviously, <clears throat> but the things that they have, it's like, yeah, that's legit. And that ain't good. I'm trying to understand what's going on here. Like, it, do they feel like they don't have the leverage that they were hoping to have? Because originally the reports were, this is uh, like a, they were looking for ransom. It's like a ransomware attack. And they were, you would think they're looking for money. Then they were making demands. Now apparently the demand is that you either take your drivers open source because they want to remove the hash limiter. Or we're going to leak more data. So... I mean, it was really take them open source. I thought it was release them without the LHR or op- that was open no. They want to sell the LHR source code stuff so that people can then use it to actually remove or disable LHR. 
But I, I think, <clears> yeah, yeah they, they, I mean, people wanted to have open source drivers from NVIDIA for, for a sure. long time. Okay, let's look at the report on this subject from Video Cards with a Z. And if you look at the Lapsus statement here, this says, uh, we've decided to add one more requirement. We request that <laughs> NVIDIA commit to completely open source their GPU drivers from now on and forever. Oh, and for Mac OS. Yes, I'm sure... Uh, Thank you. You desperately need those macOS drivers, I guess, for Hackintoshes, yeah, but... You know what? I still have a Hackintosh with a 1080 Ti, so yes, please. Oh, brother. Okay. Stop well, it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, blah, blah, blah. So, NVIDIA, the choice is yours. Either... And they list their demands, like, make current and all future drivers for all cards open source, or not making us release the entire silicon chip file so everyone not only knows your driver's secrets but also your most closely guarded trade secrets for graphics and computer chipsets too you have until friday you decide so uh, you know uh, we're uh, recording uh, this on wednesday you might be listening to this on friday and thinking like oh well this all like ended up like the 3dfx scam but no we don't know it sounds like they have a lot of stuff it could be an elaborate ruse to try to get nvidia to open source their drivers which is never going to happen. Probably not. What do you think, guys? Do you think that NVIDIA is going to give in to these demands or are they going to be raided in their bunker in South America and this will all just go away? No, I don't think they'll give in. I, I don't think NVIDIA will give in. And it's quite possible that the next time we see Jensen, he will inform us that his newest leather jacket is made from these hackers' skins. So... <laughs> That's actually pretty funny you should say that because is the rumor true that the after the hack, they figured out who it was and they literally tried to hack them back? I actually read There that. were reports of a hack back. I don't know. Yeah. This one uh, tech power up reader had tipped them off with a screenshot uh, that may or may not show some of the source code or at least a directory. Somebody saw something, has something. NVIDIA acknowledged that there was a breach, but they said that their uh, their business has not been disrupted. So we'll see. I, I feel like this kind of stuff, even if it's out there, anyone who uses it is just going to be taken to court instantly. They're going to get a cease and desist because it's intellectual oh, property. You mean a commercial use of the... Well, a commercial was, use, yeah. So like, if, if they're right. concerned about their trade secrets being leaked, obviously... It saves somebody the trouble of deconstructing it if they have access to the source code, but... Well, once you can see a technique and you can sort of see where where a process or like an image pipeline or an, an image adjustment or some filtering technique is done, you can come about it in a different mathematical way, in a different... You can construct that code in a different way so that you don't necessarily infringe. Sometimes seeing the answer and the way to get there is enough to come up with a, a, a parallel solution that essentially does the same thing and maybe even optimizes it and or does some certain things that might optimize it for somebody else's hardware, for instance. So even being able to see the solution can be an advantage. And there are ways to get around the the nastiness of, of trade secrets. And, you know, I mean, lawyers can be clever, but once it's out there, the damage is done. Go ahead, Josh. Hey, Josh. I, mean, hey, Josh, I was trying to back. interrupt, and, and I just kept failing. And I was like, why is why is everybody ignoring me? But that's you. <laughs> I have children, so I know that feeling. <laughs> Touche. Um, yes. Well, you know what? Uh, 
China is is uh, mm-hmm. not great on IP and uh, supporting uh, companies' uh, rights to their IP. And you know, one of the biggest problems that they you know that is kind of foreseen is that you know like Huawei um, they used other stuff from other people that they shouldn't have, and stuff got blocked and banned. And but you know China is still 1.8 billion people. And they have computer needs too. And if one of these groups like, well, we can build one of these GPUs and, you know, we've been struggling with, uh, you know, getting something modern in, we can dive in here and get a better understanding and, and maybe even use some of the, uh, you know, RTL stuff that possibly is in there and make a chip that works. May not work as good as what NVIDIA has, but uh, they just, you know, took 30 years of, of graphics IP and created something that, you know, while maybe not competitive is a lot more modern than what they were working on before. So, you know, if they just keep it in the um, confines of China and North Korea and a couple other places that do not really care, then yeah, this is a, a big hit for NVIDIA. There's a, you're kind of talking about the hardware side of this. I was speaking a little bit more about the driver side yeah. and the kind of the DLSS or image processing techniques and things like yeah. that. But definitely, well, and I mean, there's all kinds of AI stuff in there as well. Oh, yeah, that absolutely. They can, they can, they can, you know, utilize and, and lean upon. Mm-hmm. And even in the existing drivers, because the the source is out there, it's going to reveal probably a, a large number of private APIs that weren't necessarily being taken advantage of or were difficult to access or techniques underneath. And seeing the source code is often the first step to doing something like um, finding vulnerabilities and stuff as well. So there could be vulnerabilities in the driver software that people don't know about. Once you have the source code, you can look at it and go, oh, they've done a divide by zero or off by one. You know, So you can do some mathematical hacking on the drivers after that with crafted image image processing change and API calls. So there's no telling the damage that can come from this. It's enormous. Not even an IP. You know, there's just the fact that you can sort of see what they're doing underneath and take advantage of it. One of the things that has emerged from this uh, alleged hack is ADA RTX 40 series specs apparently leaking. Tagged as a rumor. Again, this is from video cards. But uh, if we can trust this, it looks like the SM counts are going up significantly, at least at the high end with the next generation of NVIDIA cards. And there's even talk about some Infinity Cache-like behavior. I don't think it's this story, but on video cards, let's see, yeah. Very large L2 cache. What? Present on these. Up to 96 megabytes. <clears throat> that's, uh, to give you an idea, that's 90 megabytes more than Ampere. So... Well, it makes that sense like because cache is, it's, you know, it used to be the GPUs were lots of logic and small amounts of cache. And then CPUs were lots of cache, smaller amounts of logic. And now GPUs are becoming more general purpose. And so they're kind of got it all. They've got lots of logic and now they've got a lot of cache. And it makes <laughs> sense. And yeah, I mean, data locality is huge. And even with only 96 megs, that's, that's massive for reuse uh, instead of having to go back to, uh, to main memory, even though graphics memory is, is pretty close as compared to, you know, what a CPU deals with. 
um, it's still it's still much faster having it on chip. Any more on this, or should we skip ahead to the next exciting news story of the week? Oh, there's just probably more to talk about next week with this as as more yeah. gets revealed and the damage uh, continues to roll like rolling thunder. Well, they they said Friday. If they Friday. don't have we'll what see. they want by Friday, then they were going to release a lot more stuff. We'll see if that actually happens. Uh, I think yeah, I, we'll I don't see why they wouldn't. They've been sort of free with kind of rolling stuff out there already. I think uh, they've got, what did they say, a terabyte of stuff? It's going to take them a while and it's going to take some time for people to digest it. And the ramifications of what gets released, it takes a little time for the, you know, the sphere of people to digest what the implications are. Do you know how happy I am to not be working IT at NVIDIA right now? (laughs) Would you still be at this point? Do you know how happy I am to not be former IT at NVIDIA right now? IT at NVIDIA, yeah. (laughs) So so you set that up, did you? Well, you're unemployable Mm. now. (laughs) Yeah. That that one guy in accounting who opened that email. Oh, Linatronics has been purchased by Intel. Now, this is to revive its real-time... Isn't that an 80s rap song? (laughs) I am uh, not sure. Linatronics, Supersonics. I don't know. I thought it was a 90s techno group. Hmm. Close. You'd think that uh, Intel and anything to do with open source wouldn't really kind of find a a place to get along often. But uh, you know what? They're they're buying in. So (laughs) good for them. It's funny, the more Microsoft embraces Linux, the more Intel embraces Linux, and the more I think, is there is there a difference between these two companies? Is Wintel real? Can we still say the phrase embrace and extend and extinguish? Sure, you can. It's a free country. You can say that. <laughs> this is as meaningful as it once was. Is anything as meaningful as it <laughs> once was. Well, I'm referring to what Microsoft, maybe internally, maybe it was just a joke. I don't really remember the nature of the rumor, but used to buy up a lot of things to embrace the technology, you know, AKA Linux, perhaps in this case, extend it. You know, we're going to bring some of our knowledge to this space by embracing it and extending it. And then they would often take it in a direction that was, that was just tied to their technology. And in a way it would sort of extinguish eventually that that wonderful thing that they started out embracing. So I was just wondering if that was a replay of this. I don't know, but you've created the perfect segue to talk about our next topic because you were talking about embracing something and it being extinguished. Do you remember Sanofsky and Metro, Microsoft, the Windows 8 era, Hmm. and the entire Hmm. Windows interface changes to this touch-first initiative and these exciting new laptops are being shown at you know ces and it's all going to be touchscreen it's just a matter of how we're going to implement the touchscreen is it going to be a rotating screen is it going to be a like the yoga style 360 hinge well the, the tiles the touch tiles and all that yeah yeah the next big update for windows 11 brings the all new touch-friendly taskbar uh i'm sure it won't now, be a, a windows 11 or sorry, it won't be Windows 8 all over again, but... Now, wait a minute. Now, the story what? does detail the fact that there was some tablet-ish things left in Windows 10, which they finally extinguished. But And you can and there isn't really a tablet mode to Windows 11, 
it actually has to sniff your hardware. And I, I imagine there's a way to trigger it, you know, manually with some key key value in a in a registry, you know, someplace. But it's not you can't really kind of trigger tablet mode in Windows 11 anymore. It's only supposed to happen on appropriate hardware at this point. Check check it out on your whatever Windows tablet you're running today. Yeah, all those Windows tablets that are out there, they're so popular. That's that was it. Um, That's a joke. That was the I joke. can't think of the single model name <laughs> because they're just not in my Now, oh come on. There are certain laptops that have the uh they're convertibles where you could take the the screen, spin it around. It was a, it was a center located like I think a Lenovo Thank you, had Brett. Of... Thank you for explaining this to me. Yeah. Had a had I a use one convertible day, one. Well, I wasn't explaining it to you. <laughs> okay, you're belittling our audience. Please. All right, convertible laptops. You Don't talk down to them. Talk up to them. Or exactly. I'm trying to. That's say. all I want to say is convertible laptops. That's it. Okay. Done. Convertible laptops. Soon we'll just yes. all be on Steam OS. Let's pause here for a word from this week's podcast sponsor. Keep it consistent and accurate with Text Expander. In our fast-paced world, things change constantly, and errors in messaging often have significant consequences. Text Expander lets you make new approved messaging available to every team member instantly with just a few keystrokes, ensuring your team remains consistent, current, and accurate. Get your message right every time. Expand content that corrects your spelling and keeps your language consistent with just a few keystrokes. Your team members will consistently know the right message for the right person at the right time without relying on memory, or copy and paste. If you haven't started using Text Expander yet, you should. The world's most productive people use text expansion software, saves them time, and gives them a competitive edge. Whether you're a business or a busy person, Text Expander can help you become more efficient and improve your communications. Show listeners get 20% off their first year. Check them out. Visit TextExpander.com podcast to learn more about Text Expander. We're back, and we're going to talk about, okay, um, topical story here ukraine war oh. flashes neon warning lights for chips this is a reuters story uh why why first of all and why are we looking at a tiger lake presentation <laughs> screen grab here what does yeah, this that's mean? definitely not the point not the point the point here is is that some sometimes world spanning events have strange strange uh, uh effects and this is one of them Ukraine is surprisingly a supplier, a major supplier of neon gas that's critical for the lasers used in chip making. Uh. The Yeah, and about 35% of the palladium also, which is obviously also used in semiconductors, is sourced from a region in conflict right now, which is something interesting that affects even things like supply of chips so you never know how something tragic someplace is going to have a weird effect on something as simple as uh, your gaming hobby sometimes. And the palladium is sourced from the uh, country that is getting all of the sanctions levied against it. Yeah, you can't get so, that either. So I think That's Montana a double whammy. is another, they, they have a major palladium mine. So maybe they'll get more business. Where's that plan? Yeah, they're looking they're looking for other sources right now to make sure that the whatever is left of the you know semiconductor production industry continues to roll forward and can source some of these critical uh, elements and uh, compounds. FreeDOS. In a totally relevant story to us all, FreeDOS. Six they haven't years. Re- yes. Is this when we get the uh, lighter? Up? After yes. the yes. FreeDOS. Oh. 
Freedom. Freedom. It's out. It came yes. out over the weekend. If you're feeling dossy and you want to get down <laughs> with even a little modern dossy. hardware, you don't have to worry <laughs> about something like this, which is a... Um, I don't remember what this board is. Socket 7 board, I think. Uh, you don't have to have old hardware on hand to get down with DOS. You can run it on modern hardware. In fact, I think when... I don't remember what the launch was, like the 9000 series i9 processor that I was working on. I ran FreeDOS, the last version of it, on a thumb drive, and I put like the Phil's Computer Lab DOS bench uh, folder on there, and I ran like the Doom and Quake demos, all software rendered, of course, because I didn't have any. I don't think you really get great 3D acceleration support for modern hardware on FreeDOS in old games. Yes. It's all 2D, 2D simulated stuff. I thought you'd be interested in this story, actually. I thought this would be something for you. Well, I, in my uh, subscriptions on YouTube, I subscribed to Phil's Computer Lab, and he has a uh, video on this coming out. If, I don't know if it's out yet, but you'll be able to see that. The FreeDOS 1.3, is it worth it for gaming? And I'm sure the answer will end up being no, because that was his conclusion the last time he looked at FreeDOS, because there's just not, it's not as compatible as running... Microsoft DOS. What's the latest uh, hardware that 622 will run on? Will it run on anything, or do you got to? No, it will not. It will not. You could not boot up 622 on a modern system. I don't think. That's where free DOS comes in because there's just. I don't okay. think you would understand a UEFI system if you were. Oh like, yes, boot, of course. Maybe. Which a lot of boards will do. So many a lot of boards will do it. Yeah, just just use free DOS if you're on a modern computer and you want to run DOS for some reason. You got a hankering for original Doom like you're playing there. Which you could do. I mean, if you wanted to play Doom with no sound, uh, no problem. But I don't... I. You'd have to have a Sound Blaster card or some or some sort of Sound Blaster emulation. Well, that's the thing, because like real mode DOS is a different animal. You'd have to have some kind of TSR mm. that would... Oh, yeah. Kind of some kind of emulation, because you'd be on a PCI Express or integrated and solution. That, I don't think it's going to work. And that was... That's Terminate... That's terminate and stay resident for those people who are like young. Yeah, but well, <laughs> you know, there's this thing called DOSBox that Josh is a great way down. to play. <laughs> Talk slower. Games. We're not scientists here, <laughs> dude. dude. <laughs> <laughs> this is cool too. Somebody please explain if it worked, what this is. If it worked better. It's another attempt at an, an open source laptop. You, you've probably heard the rumors out there of uh, there's, I can't remember the name of the company right now. Uh, Linus had renewed one. He actually actually invested in the company. Looks like those guys are going places, but this was uh, another hardware open source attempt to put together a laptop that you actually have to assemble parts of yourself based upon what um, the, the write-up actually says here. I love and how thick this is. Yeah, I mean, that's like it's allows sitting you to... on a textbook, but that's actually the <laughs> bottom of a laptop. And this is, by the well, way, for audio listeners, this thick. is the yeah. These, are, these are like old, old school 10 year ago laptops, like yeah. maybe ThinkPad. 15. ThinkPad++. Plus plus. Um, mm -hmm. Big square. You like square. Good square laptop. You like. Um, you, you basically assemble part of this yourself, and the, part of the obviously the reason why it's so large is so you can get your fat sausage fingers in there uh, and put it together. <laughs> breaking news, it is yeah. powered by an ARM processor. 
Oh. Well, that that Kiss might explain compatibility. Goodbye. Well, that oh, might explain Jesus, why some of it was so flaky. Why does it need to be so thick if it's got an ARM Cortex four core processor in it? What? You've got to dissipate all that heat. Oh, wait. Hang on. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. What you're okay. <laughs> pass. Anyway, it's, it's an pass. interesting. It's it's a science experiment if you want to build a laptop. Look, it, it, just because you you can okay. It's crowdfunded, man. Dude. Even worse. <laughs> and the so, whole crowd's inside the laptop. <laughs> Literally, they can fit. I, uh, I'm all for free and open source. And it's not cheap. It's not cheap. It's when like something it's like is a pile of shit and you you dress it up with, but it's free and open. It's like it's open source. It's well, open. It's still it's not, like get a Raspberry Pi and put an LCD screen on it if you want to tinker around with something like that. And it's not cheap. It's like twelve hundred bucks. Of course, it's not cheap. <laughs> get a laptop for a thousand dollars, which is cheaper, mm. and then put mm. Linux on it. And there you go. Now you've got good hardware. Better battery life, faster hey. processor, compatibility. Comment from the peanut gallery is look at the crowdfunded keyboards if you want to see a bunch of lunatics. Yeah. Did I say lunatics out loud? Did I say that part out loud? Yeah. All right. Hey, if there's a Scott market for Watson it, crowdfunding is going to find you and he's going to hunt you down. Crowdfunding He'll probably is great for stuff send like, me to a correction uh, like the end case and like the Dan cases. You know, like if, if people That's wanted true. something very specific and they were willing to pay for it, absolutely make it in small batches, but. It's like, here's our chunky, impractical piece of shit laptop. Like, well, <laughs> laptops you keep crapping on this. <laughs> either need to be thick because they're loaded down with things like I.O. and batteries and, you know, slots for actually using your laptop. Let's move on to a story about actual practical things. Kent worked on this story. I forgot about it. He reminded me about it. I finally put it in the system today. Please guide us through. Well, uh, I guess it started when Josh asked about the uh, efficiency of those IC uh, graphite thermal pads that I use in my CPU cooler testing. And it raised a question in my own mind as to you know what their performance is like against traditional thermal paste and also how they are after multiple reuses. So I decided to build a test rig set up um, and put everything under as close to laboratory conditions as I could manage um, and see just testing multiple thermal pastes against the, uh, the graphite pads. And uh, some of my results were sort of what I expected, but also a little surprising. <laughs> the the s- the story, by the way, that Kent sent me was great. And unfortunately, I couldn't use the exact formatting because of the way our site is set up. But it starts off with, never buy thermal paste again. Then you see a picture of Gene Wilder in Young Frankenstein as Dr. Frederick Frankenstein. Frankenstein. And uh, I don't know if you want to read this. What uh, knockers? Uh, From that fateful day when stinking bits of slime first crawled from the sea and shouted <laughs> to the cold stars... I am man. Our greatest dread has always been the fear of using the incorrect thermal paste. But tonight, we shall hurl the gauntlet of science into the frightful face of thermal degradation itself. Amen. 
the Kent, I might, I might also remind you that it was not just the wrong thermal paste, but the incorrect amount. Oh, and I have to say, I added an editor's note to this. Kent is putting himself out there. There are there are things you just don't admit to on the internet, like what mm. kind of coffee do you drink? Because you'll be judged mm. by that. You know what? Or how do you or beer use, you're drinking? Yeah, what? How do you apply your thermal paste? Is a touchy <sighs> subject, and yeah. not only. Did, and this is but great. the same credit card I cut my coke with. <laughs> <laughs> Think of those. Yeah, that's part of the cold open, by the way, right there. <laughs> uh, um, this is a nice little selection here. Uh, there's a picture in the review of the different types of thermal paste that can't use, but isn't, he doesn't stop there. I was scrolling through the story and thinking, oh, that's good. So this, you know, Kingpin, uh, Noctua, of course, the NH, uh, NTH1, Thermal Grizzly, some Arctic Ceramic 2, the Scythe stuff that I, too, have many uh, vials of. And, of course, the Graphite Pad, the IC Graphite Thermal Pad. But then he goes through, and Kent, this setup is great. You have created a custom loop yeah. specifically for this thermal testing project. What's the uh, cold plate here? It's an Optimus Foundation block, full copper. This is a full copper uh, rad as well. Yes. That looks like a really expensive video card you got in there. <laughs> yep. What is, what is hey, that? Uh, look, it's 2022, uh, Josh. Um, what do you want? It's silent. It's silent. It's silent. You know, so that yep. that, that is important. Yes. I too. It's, it's actually a GT 1650. For... <gasps> oh, wow. Oh, you have a silent 1650? Oh. Wow! Uh, no, I took the uh, I took the loud you as hell fan it. that came on it <laughs> off of it because it even under a graphics load that card never got over like sixty eight degrees. So I just pulled the little crappy fans off of it because they were loud as hell. But Kent, but, the, the that aluminum heatsink looks like it matches the length of the card perfectly. And where did you ever find one with the correct mounting holes, offsets, and all that? Oh, th- that's the aluminum heatsink from the. Uh, yeah, that is the. Oh, took the fans the off. Okay, the you just took the fan. I just took the little fans off. They're like forty-two, two forty-two millimeter fans. Those, those must have been screamers. Uh, oh, they were terrible. And you know, for a situation like that, that. That card's never under any kind of 3D load, and um, it ran about 40, 45 degrees Celsius through all of that testing. So, anyway, back onto the actual testing. Right, yes, Josh. People want to know. People want to know the thermal interface off, as I put it. And look here, very good. Where's Nick Cage? Well, if you look closely. At this uh, thermal pad, you will see the outline of his face. It's very subtle. It's one of those 3D pictures. You know, if you yeah. stare at it correctly, yeah. Nick Cage will will pop out at you in 3D. I thought that Dressed was just a priest. <laughs> it's not so, just oh, noise. Oh, who hasn't done this? Oh, We've all been there. Yes. Oh, there's you know, some AMD, I can't wait until you adopt an LGA platform because... <laughs> Ripping your CPU out because it has fused to the cooler. It's happened. It happens to the best of us. Kent, which thermal paste has the most 
Yes, that was my question. That is the Kingpin KPX. And I will tell you, that CPU was a nightmare to get off of that block when that happened because that thermal paste is so sticky. And the, the seal, uh, the, that Optimus block is just like perfectly formed to bond to the tops of a CPU. <laughs> does, the, and, uh, does it work to run the CPU under like a Prime 95 load, get it really hot, and then quick turn the system off and then twist and pull the cooler off or no? Like, I feel like that's the only way to really avoid ripping it out is to get it really hot before you take it off. What I actually ended up doing uh, for all the dismounts after that one was I uh, actually pulled the mounting screws for the block out of the motherboard so that I could twist oh, the, right, blo- right. the, uh, the block, oh, the block side itself. Side. The old twist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, little, little does Ken know that I secretly snuck into his lab last night and replaced his, cra- his paste with JB weld. <laughs> we replaced, you know, uh, Ken's Igor? thermal interface material with Folgers crystals. We'll see. There the crystals was a different. <laughs> yeah. There was I'm a, glad you remember uh, that commercial. Yeah. Dark sparkling Folgers crystals. We've replaced the fine blood normally served in this operating room with there there is a Arctic Silver Ceramique that actually is a thermal a thermal glue. And I was I yes, looked at that and I, like, I hope that's I, not it. You need thermal I, glue for certain things, like yes, gluing little heat sinks to small that's right. components. That's yeah. Yep. I discovered um that it, putting heat sinks on some VRAM one time uh with that that it's permanent. Uh, it does not come off after that. No, it does not. But I did discover later on in another attempt that if you mix that with traditional thermal paste in a 50-50 ratio, just like two small globs of it on a with a toothpick, and then apply it, it will stick. And But when you twist, the, the heat sink will come off. So, and not damage the, the, uh, RAM module, but back to the, back to the article. Moving on with the story. So So, yes. And Sebastian has uh, mentioned my application method and I have been building computers for a long time and built a lot of them. And this spreading like this is the method that I have found gives me the best, most even coverage. And if you put it on thin enough, you don't get globs of it coming off the edge. So Kent, there's there's 1.2 million people on the internet who will disagree with you violently. No, I think they're I think all it's wrong. Pretty <laughs> accepted to to do this. Mm, like it's not everybody know. does. Like they like they have their own pattern they put it on, or you know dots mm. in different locations or whatever. But it if you're spreading it out with a business card or something, I think that's pretty much universally accepted. At least I would hope so. Or your Coke card, either one. Oh yeah. He uses crisp one hundred dollar bills to, and then he throws them away when he's done. Then there's the end. And I think the problem when a lot of people try and spread it like this is they put it on like this too thick. But I mean, Uh. you can see, especially in the picture of the Noctua, it's actually a very thin coating. But the pressure of the the heatsink on top of it will spread it out, Mm. and you will get complete coverage. I I completely agree with you here. Your remark that. While it isn't the best performing compound, the Noctua is 
by far the easiest to apply and clean up. I love that stuff just for that reason. I, yeah, it was, it was great. Um, the, the Kingpin KPX and the ceramic too were, uh, pains in the ass, both to get a nice, even coating and also to clean up after. And there's the scythe. Oh, wait, what does Josh have? I like this stuff. The MX4 is really quite good. And again, easy to clean up. This is 2019 version. I'm sure it's been updated. Does this stuff expire? It's not chalk yet. Anyway. (laughs) Sebastian, I'm I'm with you. I use the same Noctua stuff on all the stuff that I need to mount. I think they just came out with a new... Uh, a new formulation of it same might be the same base number but like version two of it but it's pretty good paste if we look at the test results here and they're kind of interspersed if you read the article you'll see like uh spoilers throughout but uh essentially it's a ryzen 7 3800x overclocked right it's it's overclocked to 4.3 um with uh, fixed 1.35 volts, it does it droops to 1.275 uh, volts under load, um, and the uh, OCCT OCCT test that I run on it, um, uh, small data set, extreme load, stable load, and I found that that pulls. Um, about one between 128 and 129 watts um, with those settings. Hmm. Very consistent um, for the for the for the duration of the test. And here we go, the results. And as you might expect, there's not a huge variance. What was it? 4.4 C total from 4.4 degrees uh, Celsius yeah. from the Kingpin KPX, which was by a very narrow margin the best performer. And um, the IC graphite thermal pad, and oddly enough, the old thermal pad beat out the new one. Uh, and the old one had been used, like I say, it's been used at least 20 separate times um, because that's the pad I've used on every single one of my uh, CPU cooler tests. That kind of makes and sense. Had- it's probably thinned down quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, not as much material yeah. in between, but still uh, broken in nicely. Yeah, yeah, second that. It's like an old interesting observation. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Wait, is this the old one then? At the at the end of the article here, that's the old. No, actually, yeah. the funny thing is, is that's the new one. Okay. Um, and they'll come out of the package with these little crinkles and things in them. Um, mm. and the photo where you see that the one that's applied onto the the cpu Mm -hmm. that is actually also the new one but it's after it was used and you can see how it's um just absolutely flat and smooth after it's been used so the verdict is it worth it for the convenience of the thermal pad if it's, I mean, your temperatures are going to be what? Maybe a degree or two warmer than using some basic cheap compound? Yeah. Um, it's, I think it just depends on what you're, what you're doing with it. Um, if you were someone who changes coolers a lot, um, 
you know, has, does things with your system where you have to remove the cooler, uh, then yeah, I think these, uh, these pads are a great option, um, because it takes, you know, a 10th the time to, to put one on that it does to apply thermal paste. Um, the biggest issue with them is like you, if you've got a vertical, a tower standing up, you couldn't apply one of these and attach a cooler. You would have to lay it down. Um, and as I mentioned in the article, sometimes with some of the more finicky air coolers um, that are a little more difficult to mount, um, I've had some trouble keeping those pads on the CPU while I'm mounting the uh, cooler. Um, but for most uh, uh, most things, I've not had that issue. Um, but for most people, I would just use a, a decent thermal paste. You know, if you're going to put a cooler on there and not take it off for two years or three years or whatever, then yeah, just use some thermal paste, but you're not going to see that much of an improvement. Kent, would you like to see the religious wars over thermal paste be over? Would you <laughs> I like would. to see it end? Okay. You're, I would like to see as long as you don't got bubbles, who cares? Yeah. As long as it's not dust, yeah, or cement, pull off heat sinks off of some old like Athlon sixty four, and like what is on the <laughs> bottom of this heat sink? It is, it is great it to see like though that the thermal pads. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, yeah. it's harder yeah. than a diamond, and it will not come off the bottom of the heat sink. I don't know what it is. You got to chip it off. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to note that those thermal pads may not age like that. They may be a little bit ageless. They may not deteriorate. That, that's the thing. I need a long-term update on this, Kent. We'll come back uh, to this topic in 10 years, and we'll see if there's I, thermal yes. pads. I honestly <laughs> yeah. – one thing that I was thinking about uh, with those thermal pads is there, there wasn't a great deal of difference temperature-wise. Um, and it says that they're good to negative 200 degrees Celsius. Now, if anybody's watched extreme overclocking competitions, they know that it's actually not the absolute lowest ten, uh, temperatures that they're they're trying to hit sometimes. And a lot of times what causes their failures is when the, the thermal paste they're using freezes and cracks. I actually got to wondering if they should just use these because they won't freeze and crack. Yeah, it's just graphite. Yeah. Interesting. And, you know, four degrees difference at negative 150 Celsius is... Well, all I'm worrying about is, is really negative 40 C or F. doesn't matter which, because that's the same. Um, that's when uh, silicon kind of becomes a, a superconductor. Right. So... Hmm. Anywhere in the 40, negative 40 to negative 50 range, you want to keep it in there because it doesn't break a lot of other things, but it's, it's hard to do that. That's why they get out the torches and they start heating up the, the pot because it's gotten too cold. What about liquid metal? Someone in the chat is asking about, you know, like longevity, things like PS5 with liquid metal <laughs> application. Kent, have you used much of it? Use liquid metal? I actually have liquid metal on my uh, direct die cooled 9900K. Um, and it's a pain in the ass. And I have some, and I really thought about using it in this test, but 
um, that block is pure copper and does not have a nickel coating and um, liquid metal will discolor, although not affect the performance, it will discolor bare copper. And I didn't want to do that. So no. Right. Well, thanks, Kent. It was an interesting read. Go to pcper.com if you want to scroll through. Nice work on that, by the way. That's um, good job, Kent. That's that's a, good job. a lot of. Uh, let me tell you, any kind of thermal testing, it sucks because environmental variables play such a significant portion. Cooling isn't weird at times. It just it's hard to do, and it's oh, like it slightly easier than network testing, but not by much. So nice work. So, uh, yeah. So it, many of those, I had to run the tests multiple times because, uh, I, I attempted to keep the temperature and I, I kept my thermometer right beside the radiator. Um, not in the airflow path, but just to the side of the radiator. And I kept the temperature in the office at the 24 and a half degrees Celsius of the test. And, it was difficult because I was like monitoring my air conditioner or heater or, uh, you know, some of those tests were taking place at like two in the morning when it was 28 degrees outside. And I'm opening the windows in my office to keep the temperature at 24 and a half. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was difficult, but I enjoyed it. I will briefly mention that on our YouTube channel right now, published earlier tonight, we have, Another one of those short, quick look kind of things. I would hesitate to call it a review, but uh, you can look at it. It's less than five minutes long. That's the key. And it's here's the interesting thing. What on earth could be interesting about DDR4 memory in 2022? Well, what if I told you that Acer, Acer is selling it, and it isn't garbage. It's actually really good. It's not a pre-built system. It's not some green PCB thing with ridiculous latency. It's uh, it's actually really good because it uses the coveted Samsung B die DDR4 memory, super low latency stuff. And I kind of go on a little history lesson here, talk about my first review and the evolution of the Predator name and brands changing hands over the years and all this kind of stuff. Cause it was, it's Acer, it's nostalgic. So I thought your that. review on, on that was very good and very informative and interesting. And you put the personal touch on it with the call back to your very, very first review for PC. Perspective. Yeah, was, don't read it. My second review was slightly better because <laughs> I, I did actual, you know, memory scaling testing. The first one was just like, here's this memory and here's how it performs. It's like, yeah, that's all, that's, that's all well and good, but why didn't you do it like with this or that? And the comments were like, oh, so then back then I was like, well, I have to buy an AMD system then. And so I bought like the high end APU at the time and motherboard for it and all this stuff and did a follow-up article. And then, you know, lost there's a bunch of money selling the stuff. There's, there's a comment in the YouTube channel. It, that tall RAM is, is historical RAM. It That's is. original ancient RAM, not the, not the ones that are coming out now, not the DDR4 that Acer is selling today. I think that, there's an that, earlier picture. That old HyperX Predator kit that I reviewed was 2666 back in the DDR3 era. So that was legitimate for DDR3. 
But this is, I pulled the heat spreader off. It took me a little bit uh, heating it up to get it off. But you can see genuine Samsung B-Dye <laughs> ICs on this Acer branded memory, which is effectively identical to that really nice G-Skill Trident Z Neo kit that I reviewed last year. So it has identical timings. We're talking 14, 15, 15, 35 at 3,600 megatransfers per second. So very low latency. Is, is there a deal to be had here by buying really. the Acer version no. of the same memory? No. Oh, okay. No. no. Uh, pricing is bad. Uh, that's the one thing that doesn't make any sense <laughs> at all. Oh, no. Oh, well. So, and I, I talk about that in the review, but right now this stuff is $165 for 16 gigs. And the reason this is a problem is uh, HP. I don't know what the, the deal is right now. Acer and HP selling Samsung P-Dye memory, but there's an HP product that uses the same uh, ICs essentially and is less money. It's like 149 bucks on Newegg and it has even tighter timings. It's 14, uh, 14, 14, 34, I think. So like, I'm not sure exactly what's going on there, but I think the price will probably adjust itself. We saw Lexar enter the DDR4 market last year. It's like these companies that you've heard of that are not necessarily associated with gaming memory are suddenly jumping on right at the end of the DDR4 life cycle. So it's just kind of interesting. Well, there's a lot of like, dyes available for oh, okay. cheap. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. Uh, Al in the chat says, CL16 is normal for 3600. Uh, it's not as normal as CL18. Almost all of the kits are CL18. And then there's like 250 on Newegg that are CL16, and then there's 100 that are CL14. And the CL14 stuff is significantly more expensive. I mean, you can buy 32 gigabyte kits for like 90 bucks, but, and, but it's already slower and higher latency. The CL14 Samsung the, B-Dies are phenomenal for overclocking. Yes. You can just, as long as your CPU memory controller will handle it, you can just pump voltage into them and clock them at whatever the heck you want. Um, I've got a set of uh, G skills that are the CL fourteen thirty six hundred, and I've got them at four thousand uh, mega transfers at uh, sixteen 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 thirty five at one point five volts, and I th think I could probably push them further without problem. But the the uh, memory controller on the ninety nine hundred K will not go further than four thousand. I was going to say, maybe you should get some blocks for that memory and, you know, incorporate it into your loop. They've made memory uh, water blocks, right? Yes, they have. Maybe. Who? Uh, I don't know. All right. I haven't Let's seen any there, for there, anything there was, since well, DDR3, but... Oh. All right. There was a question, question in the chat regarding... Uh, discernible speed benefit for going over 3200 megahertz RAM on a modern Ryzen processor. Uh, I know this yeah. needs to be a multiple well, of F, well, F clock. No, right. It's, it, <clears throat> there, the argument should be, is there any benefit to going above 3600? And it's diminishing returns. But No, it was, it was 3200. That was the no, question. No, you don't, oh, don't want to run Ryzen definitely. 3200, period. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. so 
the 3000 series, you could do 3600. And I think actually with the 5000 series, if you have really good BIOS control, you're looking at nearly 4000. Um, well, mega transfers or whatever you want to call it. And, and two gigahertz on the, uh, the North bridge. It's, uh, it's a lot better, but yeah, if you just want to stay safe, uh, getting 3,600 Ram versus 3,200 is a good five to 7% increase in overall performance in a lot of tests. So it's worth yeah, it. I thought 36 was the sweet spot here for Ryzen. Well, Cause the, the F clock will yeah. be 1800 because the 3,600 yes, memory perfect. is effective. Yeah. So it's actually running at 1800. Perfect. So you yeah. want that one-to-one ratio, but you yep. do get significantly better overall system performance, measurably better running your Ryzen processor with a higher F clock. And that's why you do not want to be at 3200, even though that's AMD's published spec. And I don't know if that's because, I don't know if JDAC even technically has a 3600 spec, but they certainly have a 3200. And so this stuff, you know, it's all kosher. It's all like, you know, officially published specifications and everything. It's supported. Yeah. yeah, there's such a proliferation of overclocked memory that at this point, considering every 5000 series Ryzen <clears> will <throat> happily run at 1800 F-clock forever yep. and probably mm-hmm. higher if you want, there's no reason not to run 3600. Picks of the week. Josh, get us started. Me. You know what? Yeah. They they just keep lowering the price on these damn things. Samsung used to have the highest uh, average selling price of, of, of their <laughs> SSDs for just ages. And now they've got their 980 Pro 4 PCI 4.0, um, two terabyte for, well, you can get it from IdeaBuy for 259 bucks, or you can get it from Newegg for 279 whichever one you feel like paying for. But that's absolutely dirt cheap for, and I just had, had put one of these in. Now, something that you should think about, apparently the the failure rates on these are, are higher than what we've seen previously on, on Samsung parts. And so you really got to work on keeping these cool, which I bought an Enermax heat sink for mine. And, uh, you know, or you have a motherboard that has a better heat sink. And uh, it seems to do a little bit better than just a bare drive by itself, even though it's got that fancy label with the copper backing that supposedly transfers heat much more effectively. Um, you know, it's not the, uh, it, it's not the NAND that has a problem. It, it seems like it's, it's the controller just may get a little too hot and, uh, and it does thermally, what is that called? Damn it. Thermal throttling, uh, quite a bit if it's not covered, but once you do, then it seems to work a little bit better and is a, a little bit more reliable. If it's, you don't have to super cool it. You just got to make it cooler than it is. But yeah, they're cheap. Great for a gaming drive. Brett, your pick this week. You know what? I'm all about yesterday's technology forever. If you know me. Oh, that's and, why you're you a know, Mac user. I get it. Okay. Whatever. I'm, I'm just going to let that go. I'm going to let it slide. I'm going to slide off like water off of a, turtles back anyway so i was looking around at different deals and i happened to see that the the one of the most recent gaming cpu champions was available at not a lot of dollars 229 dollars for a 5600x which i think that reasonable people can agree is enough cpu to play pretty much anything 
Um, wow, at, it comes with a rate I thought it was just bare. Uh, this, this is with a cooler. Yeah. 229 nice. Yeah, it's a great deal at this price. Um, and if there's a lot of AM4 boards out there, you can get a new one if you don't have one already. Although you should probably own one. You know, if you don't own one now, you should probably have one just to have an AM4 board. Uh, but anyway, put one of these in there. And I, you know, your only thing that's holding you back is getting a GPU. Sorry, I can't help you with that. Yeah. Unfortunately, the CPU does not have graphics. Great. The G does, which is actually uh, also available. Side note, 219, there is a, the G is actually available as well for that's pretty a good price. price for that. 219. That's a G. good spot for the G. Mm. You know, I saw what you did there. Well done. Yay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Kent, occupying Jeremy's spot. You're next. So uh, along the same vein as Brett, uh, we're looking at another Ryzen 5000 series processor. Uh, this is from uh, the great uh, Satan Newegg, um, apparently. But- <laughs> well, it depends on... It depends who on who you ask. But uh, this is... Uh, CPU, it's the 5950X, 16 cores, 32 threads, um, the highest boost clock of any of the Ryzen 5000 series processors. Right. And a, a year ago, you couldn't buy this CPU um, because there just weren't any. Uh, six months ago, this was still selling for over its MR, MSRP. Um, and now you can get them for this one for six Oh seven 99 plus a $10 off promo code. And I think that probably ends today, but still that's a, that's a heck of a deal for a monster CPU. I never thought I'd see the day when not only could you buy the 5950 X, but it would be on sale. <laughs> we Waited around. Yields like, must I, be good. Yeah, that's uh, one that we don't have in our collection here. But uh, at these prices, it's very tempting to pick one up. You know, uh, six hundred bucks <laughs> is a good deal. Some sometimes uh, capitalism mm. works out, and competition is good for the consumer. Yes, we did get because a fifty-eight if and the, 5900X if the from AMD finally. Gen but. processors were not as good as they are. That. 5950X would not be 607.99. Oh, for sure. Wait, price pressure works in both directions? Oh my gosh. Oh. It's true. Uh, mm. My pick, real quick uh, Doom. In honor of episode 666, version 1.666 of the original Doom. Uh, you know, get the shareware version. It's free anywhere. Get it from the Internet Archive play a level or two it's it's the original it's classic put it in dos box runs on everything that's our show thanks for tuning in we will be back next week to do it all over again in all likelihood unless we're not in which case this was the last show ever and uh thank you for being a part of it we hope not yeah probably not but you never know. Yeah. Another tree could Jeremy said Jeremy said he's going to be on the show next week, so we probably oh, have to have Oh, special guest Jeremy from uh, Canada, I think. 